0: So some of you have come through some pretty rough stuff, right, in in some of your past churches. So we we have too, unfortunately. Um, And our church became divided at that point. And for your pastor, I began to make some really bad decisions at that point in life. And that's when I picked up my family and ran back towards my home, dragging my wife when she was telling me, are you sure this is what we should be doing? Don't you think we need to stay where we are? Have you
1: prayed about this? And basically, in an unbiblical way of putting it, I said, woman, just trust me. And I wonder why sometimes my wife goes, are you sure about this? Um, And
0: unfortunately, that build and the decisions that were made caused great division in that church. So much so that it wasn't just a... It wasn't like a church split, you know, where some people leave and start another church. No, no, this was a mass exodus that took place all because of a, sorry, but I'm going to use a word, all because of a stupid building program,
1: all because of something that people had built with their own hands and folks got very upset about it
0: and everything just kind of fell apart at that point. Division comes in a lot of
1: different ways. And a lot of the things that divide churches today have nothing at all to do with doctrine. It's man-made division. Matter of fact, if I were to ask most
0: of you what divided your churches in the past, most of you would say man-made division.
1: Music style. Seating. Who you would allow in, who you would not allow. Preaching style. Uh, the color
0: of, get this, you ready? I've heard this before. The color of the drapes in a
1: particular room. Carpet style, right? I mean, when we switched from red to this, George still is mad at me from switching to red to
0: this. And I still get reminded by George sometimes, well, you took the red chairs out. George is back there. It's okay. He he loves to give me a hard time. He's really okay with it. But change brings division. So we're going to talk a little bit about division this morning, but let's stand together as we read from uh, Scripture. And we're going to look here in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 54. I came to send fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Christ is ready for this to be done, is what He's saying. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till I accomplished, or, or till. Um, uh, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till I, uh, till it, excuse me, is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever
1: you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming. And so it is. Father, we ask that you give us wisdom as we read from your word.
0: Lord God, as we search your scriptures, may we understand what it is that you have to say to us this morning, discerning division. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we see here, Christ is is telling us that division is coming and in a Baptist Church, and, and I'm not trying to be funny it's sad that because it is very true in the Baptist Church that the idea of division is taken very seriously. I have never been in a Baptist Church that didn't fight over the dumbest things. I have been through many a, a business meeting where people have left so mad and angry that they have never come back and they've, they've never gone anywhere. They've, it just divided the people over something that had nothing at all to do with anything biblical. It was simply because they didn't get their way. Man-made divisions. Let me keep reading, though, as we go there from 54 on to 55. He says, And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather and there is hypocrites you discern the the face of the sky and of the earth but how is it you do not discern the times he's telling the people listen you got to pay attention because what's coming what you think is coming is already here the division is 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 already started there are those who are going to follow Christ and those who are not. There, there are going to be those who are going to say that they're going to follow Christ, but they're following a form of Christ, a form of religion, but they're not following actual biblical doctrine. So we're going to look at some ideas. Now, just for your, for your sake, uh, some common unbiblical divisions. But I want you to understand that uh, where I found this, was th- this was written by Jeremiah Burroughs. And are you ready for this? In the early 1600s, okay? So apparently they were having trouble way back when. Well, if you ever read your Bible, you know they were having trouble when Paul was writing to the churches, right? They were already having division issues. Now, this was rewritten uh, by Francis Asbury in the 1700s, and then about 100 years later, they did uh, Asbury's copy again. First of all, the very first division that is man-made is one that I have witnessed as a pastor numerous times And that is associating with whispers um, Many men of moderate spirits if let alone yet meeting with men who tell them stories and speak ill of those men that Heretofore, they had a good opinion of before they have examined what the truth is There is a venom that goes within the spirit in other words We like to hear what other people say. We want to listen to the whispers and the opinions of others. Can I tell you something? Other people's opinions don't matter. What truth is matters. But I have watched a lot of division come up because you have these different groups begin to whisper against one another. And people that are caught in the middle think think that they have to make a decision. And the next thing you know, your church is torn and people don't even really know the truth. People really know, they have no idea of what truth is. How many of you, if you were to, I would ask this question, but I'm about to raise your hand. But I bet there's a lot of families in this room that are divided. And if you were to be honest, you really don't know what the division is over. You just know that your family has been divided for years. And if you were to ask one side of the family, why is it divided? They would give you this story. And if you were to ask the other side of the family why they're divided, they would give you this story. Somewhere in the middle is probably the truth but we can't get there because we've already decided that we believe this whisper over here or this whisper over here same thing happens in church. And then you have these things and I, we see these all the time, needless disputes. Unnecessary disputes are the necessary practice of those who only have gotten a little knowledge and want to make a name for themselves.
1: I see this all the time. We saw this during the pandemic. Everybody became a doctor Right. Everybody became a doctor. Expert
0: doctor. Thank you, sir. That's right. And as a matter of fact, if you're in my circle of friends, you the word pandemic, you're going, well, I don't really believe there's a pandemic. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has this. So we get in these needless disputes, and it, and it filters into the church. And the next thing you know, you're arguing over things as to some biblical point that really isn't that important.
1: How big was the fish that swallowed Jonah? Apparently it was big enough to swallow him. Right? That'd be pretty big fish, right? I'd like to catch something that size. I think that'd be pretty cool.
0: I, I don't know, that'd be lots of fillets, you know, I mean, that'd be, that'd be a pretty, pretty good thing. Needless disputes, things that just don't matter, but we see them in the church and people make bigger things out of them than they really need to be. But it's very, very common.
1: Not keeping within the bond or the bounds, God has set. Meddling with things that don't concern you. Let's be honest, anybody ever meddled where they didn't belong? Anybody,
0: anybody willing to raise their hand on that like you, you gave your opinion when it really didn't matter? Thank you. For those of you that refuse to raise your hand, let me just uh, let me help you. Let's do an exercise. Everybody raise your hand. <laughs> we get to get into other people's business when it's not our business. We start sharing our opinions when nobody has asked for them. That is everyone's favorite on Sunday morning. Did I, I'm sorry. Did I just say that out loud? Um, you would be shocked at
1: how many people have an opinion of how to do things different, but they don't have effort to actually make the change. When we began to share, we began to talk, we began, but yet we put no effort behind it. Propagating evil reports. Raising reports, spreading rumors, spreading lies, whether they be true or not. We just want something to stick. Kind of like fake news, right? Just put it out there. There are going to be enough people believe it.
0: It's the same thing in the church. If you say it enough times, people are going to begin to believe it about someone. Something's
1: going to be done. And there are a lot of propagating evil reports. He says also, remember this
0: is way back 1600s, and inordinate cleaving to some, so as denying
1: respect or denying due respect to others, we love to hear how awesome we are, even if it's not true or even if that belongs to somebody else. There's no greater position the pastor can take than humility. But there are times when even the pastor enjoys hearing, "Hey, that was good." You got to be careful. Because men cannot join in all things with others, they will join in nothing throwing the
0: baby out with the bathwater. You know what I I don't agree with you on that one point, so I want nothing
1: that you nothing that you offer. I don't want anything that you offer. Cuz you disagree on one thing. This is why people church hop, by the way you know what church hopping is, correct? Well, I don't like how they did that, so I'm
0: going to go to a different church. I don't like how they do that there. I'm going to go to a different church. We're trying to find a church that thinks just like you. That way you can go and sit with the same group of sinners that are just like you. I'd rather go sit with a bunch of people that aren't like me to find out that
1: everybody struggles in different ways. But we're all still struggling. But we decide, you know what, I don't don't agree with something that you did, so I I want none of what you do. I've watched this destroy
0: many a Baptist church, not just Baptist, but church, period. People have left because one single thing that either the pastor did they didn't agree with, a deacon did they didn't agree with, some layperson did, and they didn't get the punishment. They thought the church should give that person, so they're gone. They're out of there. We're going to argue and fight over these things that that have nothing at all to really do with
1: church. Number seven, he says, to commend and countenance what we care not for in opposition to what we dislike. Let me explain it to you this way. When we join with those who are wicked men because they help us defeat our enemies. I have watched people who my wife and I have witnessed this.
0: We have watched people who will talk so ugly about each other in church, but when they have a
1: common enemy, they join together. You ever seen that happen before? They can't stand each other
0: and everybody in church knows they can't stand each other, but all of a sudden they get a common enemy
1: and now they're best friends for a season. But then once they're done with each other, Needing each other, the
0: division has started again. And the only hope for them and their life and their friendship is another common enemy. It's unfortunate, but this is just the reality that we see. And number eight is the last one that I'm going to share
1: this morning of unbiblical division. And it is revenge. I pastored a church one time. Well, let me change that. I tried to pastor a church one time whose people had nothing but revenge within their hearts. Most of them were kin to each other. Most of them were kin. And and, and
0: you knew church time was getting close because the first half of the church would go in and sit
1: down on the same side in their pew. Trust me when I say their pew, okay? Once they were set, then the next group would go in and sit down in their pew.
0: And they never could understand why the church couldn't grow and and thrive and wonderful ministry in that area. They couldn't understand why those things couldn't happen. Well, it was very simple uh, when all they could think about is getting back at each other. Business meetings were always fun. They were always fun. Literally, in a business meeting, We should have had them in church, but instead we would have them over after we would eat supper. We'd have them over, and they'd be sitting across from each other eye to eye.
1: We should have had them in church where they couldn't see each other. But when these things are going on within your church,
0: you can't grow spiritually. And those are the things that Satan has won already when those are the things that divide us. Because there's there's only one thing, honestly, that should divide us.
1: And what is that thing that should divide us? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 with me. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Why did Jesus say that he came for division? What would he mean by that? 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the
0: Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. In other words, they start out with what seems to be the right motive. It seems to be pure. But finally, what we find is that their motives are not pure, and they were only in it for probably monetary gain or whatever they, they could need at the time. But it says, now the, the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. "...speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received uh, with thanksgiving by those who believed and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer." If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward God. Let me stop there. Let me give you one that you need to learn to reject. God
1: will never give me more than I can handle. That is not in the Bible. That is not even biblical.
0: Remember that. That is an old tale. That's something that men came up with on their own. Some great preacher in a pulpit somewhere said that one time, and everybody said, that sounds really good.
1: But it's not true. Because if I ever could handle it on my own, I wouldn't need God, right? So
0: yeah, God's going to make sure to give me more than I can handle so that I come to Him
1: with my life. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things,
0: having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. And then verse 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And a lot of you young men and young women are going, See? Y'all should respect me. He's not speaking of age necessarily. He's talking here of your maturity in the faith. Are you growing in the word of God or not? Are you growing in faith? Are you understanding who you are in Christ? He says, "...till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership." Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and those who
1: hear you. False doctrine is what should divide us. Going against
0: the teachings of God, of Christ, and the scriptures. We see this, we we understand this, but you say, Well, Brother Tom, how am I supposed to know what a false doctrine is? Well, you and, and and many others in the church are gonna have an issue if you understand LifeWay's latest poll. Let me explain this to you. LifeWay recently did a poll, and here's what they found. Every day, they these these are people that are in church. They 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 went to churches and did this. They found out that inside the church, 66% of all the people in church use Facebook daily. Okay? They use Facebook daily. They are probably using a bunch of old people, right, young young guys? That, yeah, you don't ever look at Facebook. 66% of the people use Facebook. 39% of the people daily got on YouTube at some point.
1: 32% of the people open up the Bible on a daily basis. So we were take everybody in the room. How many people are here? Anybody know? Do we do a count? Probably did. No telling how many. All right. You take 32%. Let's say there's 180 of us today. Take 32% of that. Just those people. Just 32% of us are going to come. Don't ask me to do the math.
0: Huh? That's what I was asking right there. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I'm not Jamie. Okay. I see the look you get now, 60. It's part of this, you know, they're standing. That's the teacher in you, wasn't it, right there? <laughs> Last time I helped you, that was, I, I appreciate your math skills. Because I'll be honest with you, I was still see everything going I hope somebody will tell me because I have no idea.
1: <laughs> 60 people here, and the rest of y'all will be over here looking at Facebook and YouTube. And these will be reading their Bible. The reason that doctrine has left the church is because nobody has a clue what it says. Nobody has a clue what good doctrine is. nobody has a clue what the Bible says.
0: If we're not daily picking up the Word of God, false doctrine is very
1: easy to come within the church. Anybody know what a little God is? Yeah, well, that's not us, but that's one of the doctrines that is preached that you are a little
0: God and the big God up in the heavens will do
1: whatever you ask. Has anybody ever actually read the Bible and found that in there anywhere? Or, if you'll just sow your seed of faith into my ministry, You will be blessed. There's lots of people who believe that. You ever watch those TVN preachers? They drive jets. Somebody said fly. I get that, but y'all get my point, folks, okay? That That was there for the purpose. Okay. No way. You just beat the drums, man, okay? You just beat the drums. It, it's just
0: the truth. By the way, he will not – he probably may not be here next week, but it's not because he's mad at me, okay? I just want to show him that. All right. The truth is people don't know what the Scripture says because they don't read it for themselves. Doctrine should be the only thing that separates – and it's not. It's because people don't have a clue. I watch our young people, and, and I'll ask them a question. And granted, I ask it the wrong way, and they all look at me like I'm crazy. But once they understand the question, there are still some issues.
1: Because we ask hard questions. And we don't know what the Bible says about certain things. Folks, if you want to know what good doctrine is, it's not what the preacher's preaching. It's what's straight out of Scripture. It's knowing what the Bible itself says. A lot of people tell me, you know, I listen to such and such and so and so, and I really enjoy this, really enjoy that. Yeah, but
0: do you understand that it's not biblical? But it sounds good.
1: Yeah. Folks, let me tell you something. Satan is great at making things sound good.
0: Do you realize that there had never been any sin committed
1: and all he asked Eve was, was this, is that really what God said? And the next thing you know, what does Eve do? She bites the fruit. And her husband, the Bible says, who was what? With her ate also. The moment he ate, the Bible says both of their eyes were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they hid themselves from the face of God. Satan is
0: amazing at making things sound good. Listen. There are preachers who fully believe in what they're preaching. Why? Because their consciences have been seared with a hot iron.
1: They can't even tell the difference between right and wrong. They believe their own lies. That's why they're so convincing. politics enters the pulpit folks if you're preaching good doctrine you don't have to preach politics your people should know how to vote at that point because they're voting based upon what the word of God says they're voting for the sanctity of human life they're voting for the protection of marriage of being between a man and a woman they're voting that only Man and woman, male and female exist. doesn't matter what you do
0: to your body. does not matter. God decided your gender while you were still inside
1: your mother's womb. Oh, Tom, that's so harsh. Okay? Do you love somebody enough to let them know the error of their way? And I know that we have raised a generation that says, that's hurtful. And you know why we raise a generation that says, oh, that's hurtful. Your words hurt me because we spared the rod. You say, but why do do you mean spare the rod? What's the rod got to do with anything? The reason that God said not to spare the rod was so that your children could learn that evil results in pain. Because if they remain evil when they die, they will experience pain for all eternity. If you really love somebody, you'll love them enough to tell them the truth. Good doctrine, biblical doctrine. People come to me, can you do this, can you do that, can you can you help me with this, can you help me with that? And when the conversation starts with repentance, that's when I lose most of the people that come to me for help. I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. Well, where's your relationship with God? Well, this isn't about me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Father, we ask today that we will have a true understanding that what is going to divide us as families is true. God, it is the things that maybe we forgot to teach our children, or maybe we let school teach our children and we didn't correct it at home. We all go around talking about how, well, you know, God just wants us to love everybody. We've misunderstood what love is. If I truly love somebody, I want to rescue them from the portals of hell.
0: If I truly love somebody, I want to bring them out of that everlasting burning
1: fire. The real problem is we don't want to get right ourselves and set the example. Father, forgive us as the church for not setting the example so that we can confront our brother or sister, so we can confront the lost. In this room, it probably is full of nothing but hypocrites. God, forgive us, including the guy praying this prayer right now. Lord God, may we set the example that others would desire to be rescued. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.